welcome back to another episode of Plate Stack Chat. As usual, you've got myself, Tom, you've got Jason, and you've got Sam, but also delighted to welcome Mike Catris to the Plate Stack. Mike, welcome. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's uh, it's brilliant. And first off, obviously, we have to kind of like get it in there and congratulate you and the, the athlete program team for kind of punching a ticket to the games. I know it's uh, been a long time coming and you guys must be uh, chuffed to bits. Yeah, I think... Um... I've certainly been knocking on that door for long enough. It's uh, I feel like I'm the only person that just stuck it out for long enough, and I, they, we just finally got got through in the end. Uh, I think I've become uh, more qualified as an immigration lawyer than I have as an athlete in the last three four weeks trying to get us, us out there. Yeah, it does seem to be uh, constantly varied in the challenges they're sending at you, and this is like workout number seven and eight of yeah. the uh, semi-finals. I think. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, would you have imagined last year or when well, last year, maybe two years ago now, I'm so like dates don't don't mean anything anymore. But when you kind of had to last minute get Alec to China, mm-hmm. like, could you have imagined that that was easier than trying to actually get to the games two years later? Yeah, you've got no idea. I remember messaging Alan, Alec and just being like, oh, you know, do you fancy it? And he, he was in, in that mind space where he was just like, I'm going to start saying yes to everything decided to say yes and then I was like by the way you've got to go to London to the Chinese embassy get yourself a visa by tomorrow because we're getting on a plane in three days and uh yeah you're right that was a shitload easier than anything we've had to be through since yeah it's funny that on your on your I was, I was listening to that one back the other day Jace on your um on the CrossFit Bar podcast and I was it's so funny like the way you described it it was like so Mike rang me up and told me that I had to come to China and uh, yeah, by the way, you got to be in London like yesterday to get your passport, and then like on the tra- on the plane like the day before that, uh, if you can. <laughs> it was literally that, yeah, literally that. <laughs> and it's just annoying to know there is somebody that you can just phone last minute, and not only will they go to London and China for you, but they are also physically fit enough to, without any notice, join a team and. Did you come second in China, was it? Well, yeah, we came second. I mean, that the absolute piss take of that was that he definitely outperformed me that weekend as well. Like, and uh, like that was our, it was, we'd done the Open, we'd done Filthy 150, uh, another couple of things like in between. And I was like the end of my tether of, of an, about six or eight weeks of just absolutely flogging myself. And uh, he, he'd come out there on the back of not really training competitively for a year. And he was like, you're all right, mate. Like, come on, I need to keep up this sort of thing and I was like oh, Jesus Christ this isn't fair uh, yeah. and he's handsome yeah. well steady yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so if you've not picked up already then uh you know if you want to listen to, to Mike talk on uh, more reputable podcasts then he's 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 guested on the uh the uh CrossFit Bath podcast but you've also got uh Kratos chat as well which uh you speak about a number of topics less reputable podcast chalking fitness you know people can check that one out if they want um but for so yeah plenty that people can kind of listen to to kind of get your insights and that's exactly why we wanted to get you on um today really um I think Sam and, and Jason wouldn't mind me saying that we're all fans of the sport and one of the things that's definitely been changing over the years is the kind of format of the team competition um, I was trying to do my homework, you know, like a, a good co-host and work out how the rule books changed over the years. Like a good but stato that you are. <laughs> not quite stato, not quite stato. The only stat I'm going to go with is that like your first regionals was 2014, right? So, you know, and there's been two more occasions since then, but then a wealth of 
sanctionals, semi-finals um, in in the last kind of couple of seasons. So I don't think there's anyone better really who has the experience and insights to kind of like get involved in a, in a chat on that. So I guess my understanding is is that way back it was the affiliate cup right and everyone i think up until 2018 had to be primarily training in in the same facilities is that was is that how it was yeah 2019 was the first year that that wasn't the case so 2018 was the last year of regionals as it was um so you had 2014 2015 2016 and 2017 it was a six-person team i believe don't quote me on 2017 but I believe which was three guys and three girls um which was always the affiliate cup you had to all train uh, had to be members of the same gym you had to train predominantly in that gym so um which meant that say if you were training five days a week three of those days had to be at that facility so if you were working away or had multiple addresses or a student or whatever you still had to dedicate half uh, at least half or more than half of your training time to that facility 2018 I believe was the first year that he moved it to a four-man team it might have been 17 so maybe 17 um I'm old I had a lot of head thumps on the head as a as a rugby player and a boxer um was teams of four then so two guys and two girls but the same format still the affiliate cup and then 2019 which was the the year that somebody just rolled a hand grenade into it and decided we were going to go national champs and sanctionals and all the, the other good stuff that went with it. Um, the affiliate cup went out of the window and it was just, um, when I say just super teams, it was that super teams were allowed to compete and you had to win a sanctional to qualify and there was no regionalization. So anybody from any region could go and compete in any sanctional. Um, and if you won a sanctional, you then qualified for the games. And that was the same in 2020, but then obviously 2020 the team events and masters events and everything else didn't go ahead because of covid so it was just that stripped down um version of the games that we saw in 2020 and now this year they've gone back to affiliates teams of four and they've even put a further caveat in there which um definitely would have caught a couple of the scandinavian teams out and would have caught us out if we hadn't have already decided what we were going to do was that now you actually have to live and have an address within 100 miles of the gym that you're competing for um on top of that so you, it's not enough to just train there and say you travel there for the weekends which a lot of teams sort of got around it with before they they travel on a friday train friday saturday sunday rest on a monday and then it was like oh well I, that's my box because i train there three days a week now it's a case of you actually have to have an address within 100 miles of that gym as well. I can't believe you forgot to mention that amazing competition that we all enjoyed of Mayhem Madness. That yeah. was um, obviously to replace the games that didn't go ahead. That was really mm. exciting. Yeah, that was probably the biggest, biggest regret of the whole thing, to be honest. I was really looking forward to that. And after, um, after obviously the games got sort of canned um, and that meant that Rich Ronin wasn't going to be competing in the games, obviously, and they'd... They'd run sanctionals there before he decided to take the reins and invite all of the teams that would have qualified for the games that year and then had a uh, an online qualifier as well for, I think, another four teams so that there was going to be 12 teams in total or 15 teams in total um, in Tennessee in Mayhem. And they had the really this really cool sort of format where there was going to be a a draft so that depending on where you were ranked, you got to choose which workout came first and loads of other little iterations that would have um, been pretty exciting. So it's a shame that that didn't get to happen actually. So. 
but you got some shoes right so you know yeah we got a few pair of shoes yeah yeah which is more than you got for doing the semi-finals no comment (laughs) (laughs) you would have that would have been well i think that would still be a cool thing for rich to do though he could just turn around and go yeah are the affiliate cups great but all the guys i want don't live anywhere near me so yeah (laughs) so we're going to run another team comp and pick whoever you like and we'll do this draft thing that we're talking about and have some other crazy wacky things which would be i reckon that'd be mega fun talking about rich taking the bull by the horns and and doing kind of like not what he wants but you know knowing that he enjoys team and wanting to make that happen right obviously you mentioned that we've gone back to the affiliate cup and there's multiple criteria including the kind of like needing to be within 100 miles like i look at like mayhem mayhem had a almost full roster check. Well, it did have a full roster change other than Rich, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it involved flying people down to, to relocating them there. So you, you could argue that like on paper, they're a super team. Now they're meeting the criteria, um, but I think that's definitely kind of like an example of like maybe how the sport has evolved now because people are able to commit fully geographically as well as kind of like in terms of training. It, before kind of going into that and whether we'll see more of that in the future, like back in like 2014, 2016, like was that or was that something that happened in, within the UK environment? People would be like, okay, I'm going to go to uni here because I want to train with Mike in, uh, in, in Iron or I don't know. And, and that's maybe too specific, but were you aware of people relocating well, then? Yeah, well, I mean, JST were the first team that, that did it from a UK point of view. And that was definitely a super team. Like they, they mm-hmm. set out their stall in, in 2018 and they were like look we're going to go to the games and we're going to win the games that was their that was their goal right um and you had Stee and Jack um from from Newcastle um Oakley and Jane was Jane Edie was there or thereabouts anyway um so th- that was definitely not a what you would call a pure affiliate team that was something that they they manufactured um and were able to do based on on all of their goals right um, whether or not that was done in a professional way, whether or not there was pay, I, I've no idea, sponsorships, payments, whatever, or it was a sacrifice made by everybody. You'd have to ask those guys. I don't know the, the intricacies of that, but that would that was the first real iteration that we saw anything like that in the UK um, for certain. But it's definitely stuff that's happened in the past at, at a regional level during the affiliate uh, times that a lot of the Scandinavian teams used to do, like CrossFit Nordic used to do, um, Dave Schronke, you know, went to work in CrossFit Nordic. He was paid there to go there as an athlete to be on their team when they went to the CrossFit Games and they qualified and, and, and ended up podium in at Cross, CrossFit Games that year. Phil Heskett did the same with Elias and a lot of the, the Middle Eastern teams did the same. CrossFit Yaz with Elliot Simmons, Jamie Green. They were brought in there as coaches on a premise to put them on the map as competitive boxers as well. So it, it's, it's definitely stuff that has happened in the past. Um and it's certainly something that you can see going further and further forward. Now that those days, it was more to um, it was more done by competitive gyms in an area that was already massively established. Not so much with JST and Wigan, but they wanted to do it as the the first British team to have done it. But definitely with the Nordics and a lot of the Scandinavian boxes, um, CrossFit Copenhagen, CrossFit uh, Butchers Lab teams like that were trying to establish themselves as the the alpha box in those areas because CrossFit was a big enough market that it was seen as a good investment for them to be seen as the number one box from a competitive standpoint, right? So competitively, do you think that like, if we jump ahead a few years now, you'll see that divide, like you see on the individual competition where you've got athletes that are full-time athletes because they're good enough, 
that they can get enough you know sponsorship and funding and they can just dedicate 100% of their time to being an athlete and then you've still got people that are qualifying for the games but they're still coaching or working another job and it's kind of I don't want to say a hobby for them but it is just the thing they do on the side they still have to do their real job and, and then you start to see that divide right because those that can dedicate more time are getting better and better and the others are sort of struggling to keep up and you could have a similar thing can't you with the teams that you're going to have a, a box that is pretty competitive considering it is just people that happen to live in the area mm. but realistically if rich froning wants to invite three of his fittest friends to come and live for a year you know on the farm give them a job in the gym or there or just have a year off and just focus on training it's kind of hard to imagine there'll be many people that will turn around and tell rich no i don't want to put my life on hold for a year um you know i'm i think if they're in that headspace they're going to go right so you'll have those teams where they can just invite whoever they want and they can afford to and you'll have teams that were maybe once competitive and now are, are slipping further and further behind as this becomes maybe more and more common yeah i think you're starting to see that already right is that i think that there's a people will argue that that what we've done is we're a super team in in the fact that you know we've all me and Owen have moved to Aylesbury for that purpose, that that was our, our goal was to qualify for the CrossFit Games, albeit that all four of us have got jobs and none of us are full-time athletes. Um, we've trained as professionally as we possibly could with, with that goal in mind. So, yeah, you could argue that um, we're probably in that grey area pushing towards trying to do that if we can. Um, but there's loads of teams that are already sort of reaching that way and pushing that way you see the crossfit frankston and a couple of the the australian teams uh rob forte's gym and, and stuff like that that have done it in the past and i think that um you probably will start to see that divide but that's why i quite like the new format with the quarterfinals and the semi-finals because i think that it gives the competitive boxes an opportunity to still shine by qualifying for the quarterfinals or by qualifying for the semi-finals because it's an an achievable goal but I think that qualifying for the games is going to start becoming less and less and less achievable as the years go on. In reality, I think that this year we were not us being lucky. I think that the top handful of teams would have been there or thereabouts anyway. But I think that if you look at the overall sign up from teams in Europe because of the situation with COVID and because of the uncertainty and the lack of time to prepare because of the rule book and everything else coming out in January or after the, after the fact, um, that next year, I think you'll see that the standard of teams will rise quite dramatically in terms of the middle third will increase quite dramatically. The top teams will probably still be there or thereabouts, but those guys that sort of squeaked in to, to qualifying for semifinals will probably see themselves on the outside looking in. And potentially the teams that sort of sat third, fourth and fifth are going to be really pushing to, to qualify again. So I, I have, I don't want to say mixed feelings about this, mm -hmm. but I, I have sort of pros and cons on, on everything. Um, part of me just feels like if this is happening anyway, just allow super teams, like just allow super teams, right? Yeah. If people are just going to, like, why are you just making life complicated for people if they're going to do it anyway? And if they all live in different parts of the world, like how many times in the last years did we hear, oh yeah, this is where you can see the teams that train together. And this is where you can see that it's not just the four fittest people that win the competition you get that element right so you're still going to benefit from being together so i kind of feel like if people are going to find ways around it just remove the rule right just have it and let people have super teams i also feel though with people moving 
there can be a benefit to that as well because like you've moved now so you're coaching where you are now right mm -hmm. which means if i'm a member at that box suddenly we've got mike as a coach that's pretty good uh so bringing in you know great athletes to also join the staff as long as they are genuinely joining the staff that could be a real boon for a box right suddenly you've got coaches that people recognize and know and maybe have seen on i was gonna say on tv on youtube <laughs> and uh and they can, uh, you know, that can that can boost a, a box. And, and you know, what will happen is the members are kind of proud of that and they'll spread that around. So it, there can be an upside to doing it also for the affiliate. So I'm not against that. The only thing I probably really have a problem with, and this will be my last point, and then I'll bow out. The, the only thing with the super teams that I just thought, like, I can't get on board with this, is when you bring on someone that has zero intention in competing on a team. Yeah. And it's like, we've got this person. They've already qualified as an individual. They've already said they want to go individual. They'll help us punch our ticket. And then they'll go off and do their own thing. Mm -hmm. and, and that happened. And you got teams to the games that way. And you just feel like, I mean, what's the point? Like, If you don't think your team is good enough to qualify for the games, you've had to bring somebody else in. Why even go? Mm. If you don't think you're good enough to get there, then you're definitely not good enough to win. I, I, I agree on, on all three points. I think that if you make teams, if you allow super teams, um, the standard of the competition will increase. Like I think that, that you'll get better potentially across the board, you'll get a higher standard of individual athletes competing on teams. That's what you're allowing to happen. And there, there will be um, a more of a crowd draw. You'll get the odd past individual or person with their own following stuff like that that gets to compete on the team side of things which basically what rich Fronin's done and champion in the team side of the of the games since uh 2015 you know nobody really gave too much of a shit about the crossfit games team event until he became a team athlete and then jason kalipa went and did it and it became a, a bigger deal right um and that's an opportunity that could happen with super teams and is happening with the the teams that are championing in in certain countries now I think that the the benefits of the rule is that it shows that you've, you've got commitment, right? Because a lot of teams did multiple rosters last year. With us, with the athlete program, we had the same three and then our, our second girl changed a couple of times based on logistics. So we actually did what you said there with um, Carolyn Prevo coming competing for us in, in Norway. And that was only because Hannah, who'd been on our team all the way through, had to compete for a Norwegian team because of her sponsors. So the our team would have then reverted back to Hannah being in our team for the games, but she would have always been in our team anyway. But yeah, I agree. Like we were almost using or Caroline was using us because she hadn't competed all year. She wanted to compete on it and get, get some, get some competition under a, uh, under a belt. And we were using her because we didn't have Hannah. Um, we're now a much more set roster because of the rules. Like those are the four that we've got. And these are the four that we're sticking with. And we're going to do the same next year. And hopefully even the year after that, that's the, the goal, right? Um, and I think that that's going to benefit us massively as a team because we've always done well at team events in these competitions as well. So, yeah, there's definitely like pluses and minuses to both sides of things. Um, and, and I agree. I think the, I, But I think the more that a team has to commit to being a team, the better. What I didn't like with this format this year was the fact that the semi-finals for individuals and teams was on different weekends. And then what you saw was a lot of individuals that didn't qualify, sorry, the quarterfinals, mm. that didn't qualify for semi-finals, then being like, 
cool, I'm in this team now, even though they had no intention of going team in the first place. And suddenly they kicked somebody out who was potentially like all in for the team and training with that. And you, you get that, that added sort of thing. I think next year, um, we all got asked for feedback after the, the uh, each stage of the competition, or I did anyway, I got an email from CrossFit, which I think was interesting in itself. And one of the things I said was, you should make the quarterfinals the same weekend for everyone, team and individuals, and choose. Like, if you're going to be a team athlete, you'd be a team athlete. If you're going to be an individual, be an individual and put your eggs all in one basket. You don't get a fucking second chance. I think as well what that does is it makes sure that the highest number of people get a chance to then to then do something, right? Because, and you, you know, uh, Jason, you laid out a lot of points there that I'm just trying to remember, but there's the one around like, you know, if you, you like you say, if, if someone competes, which doesn't have a, have an intention of actually ever seeing it through or, or vice versa, yeah, should, should have written it down. <laughs> um, was that, you know, there's a like, well, is, is that, is, is that fair? But I mean, there are other sports to do that all the time, right? You know, where you have a, ro- a larger roster, it's not where CrossFit as a sport is yet. Um, I think like one of the things like bringing it back to like the affiliate cup, I think, because they've said affiliate first when Rosa first got involved and that's perhaps one way they're looking to try and do it is, you know, Jason, you mentioned there that, you know, affiliates get kind of like maybe, you know, elite level athletes moving and training and that's great, great lift for the community. But there's also the fact that, um, you know, by at the games in that broadcasting, you're going to start seeing CrossFit, xyz actually that does exist but crossfit whoever um are on the podium or competing on cbs because when we did go true super teams it was kind of like i don't know jolly rancher tex-mex versus whoever right and so you started to lose the brand Mm. in the competition but is it isn't it still that now though no so i I was just about to say that now because i think what actually happened well certainly what happened in 2018 when it was the affiliate cup, um, you we would have been CrossFit Aylesbury. We wouldn't be the athlete program. We could be the athlete program at regionals, right? So we'd have been the athlete program team out of CrossFit Ailes, uh, CrossFit Colchester as they were in 2018 at the time. Um, but at the games, it was CrossFit. It was CrossFit Aylesbury, or it would have been CrossFit Aylesbury. So I don't know. We still don't know whether or not when we're out there, if we're actually going to be referred to as the athlete program, we could well be the uh, CrossFit Aylesbury. So um that's an interesting point and it'll be interesting to see how that comes across but it will always it, i know they've asked us for our um on the, the the team kit so we have to fill out like a form for our, our kit and all our sizes and everything they've asked us for our team name and they've asked us for the affiliate that we're representing so i know crossfit aylesbury is going to be on that kit and even that in itself is something that we're going to be representing crossfit aylesbury and that's something that you know a lot of people that are associated with the box is really proud of you know it's funny because just today somebody said to me, but they don't put the name of the of the box. Like they 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 like highlighted this point and saying we were looking at the like the leaderboards. It's all, you know, the athlete program versus this team. That's it. So when you're saying like, oh, it's gonna the name's gonna be there, I was thinking, oh, somebody literally to me today told me it's not. <laughs> but that's that's if, if you look at the games kit, so the noble kit that they've they've released of the games edition, it says like um, to me, and it's like CrossFit wherever she is in so-and-so, so-and-so underneath her name. So it shows the, the, the box that she's um, representing on her well, Especially on her for teams, though. No, no, but to, for teams, you could have... So CrossFit Aylesbury could have four teams qualified. Yeah. They couldn't all be called CrossFit Aylesbury, so then you'd have to have some defining 
name. So it could be the athlete, the athlete program across the Ellsbury. I don't know the donut eaters across yeah. the Ellsbury or what, whoever they are. I love donuts on here, by the way. Um, but yeah, but also, do you have to do you have to train at the box? Because that was one of the previous qualifications for for being there. But now it seems that it's just you have to live within a hundred miles. And yeah, you still need to train there. Yeah, so with so Charlotte's the, the best example with this. So Charlotte is in the army um, for us. So she trains in work on base because she's a PTI in the um, physical training corps for the army. Um, but she has to train at least three times a week in the box with us. So she trains on the weekends with us. And then so she comes up Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And most weeks she'll come up at least one of the night in the evening as well. So I was looking at the radius of, of Aylesbury a hundred mile radius of Aylesbury and you can basically get all the way to the south coast so like Brighton Southampton you can get all the way out almost to Bath mm. you can get all the way up to sort of Leicester uh, Melton Mowbray that sort of way and you can basically get all the way across Essex London and like sort of most of the southeast mm. um, you kind of duck out at Kent so that's like pretty much most of the country anyway right yeah but it's fucked up the Americans though <laughs> yeah exactly because you, you could you could you could both live in both live in texas and be 400 miles away yeah yeah absolutely well i was thinking that because you they could have made it instead of having they could have made it on population size or size of the country because it obviously as you say for like for england or for somewhere like belgium i don't know if one of the belgian things like you, you physically can't live 100 miles away from each other in belgium yeah. it'd be pretty easy or you could live in belgium and train in i don't know france yeah. somewhere like it wouldn't that wouldn't be out of the question either yeah i mean the guys from motion they've got two dutch athletes that that flew over and then they mm. moved to moved to suburb suburban and um, i was gonna call it suburban then and uh, sounds like a, a weird american tv program uh suburban and um uh, to compete with those guys so you know as soon as the, the the rule book came out you know fair play to them that's a that's a massive um commitment from those guys and, and i like that, this is what I'm sort of saying as well. I don't mind that because they put all their eggs in that basket and they're like, look, mm. this is what I'm doing. Um, and the, uh, forgive me, I don't know her name, the, uh, the Dutch girl that's competing with, I think it's Nikki. N Ninka, I think. Ninka, I think sorry. I might be saying it wrong. Yeah. But, uh... um, you know, she qualified as an individual for semifinals. She, she, she still did the quarterfinals as individuals. You know, we all qualified for quarterfinals. None of us decided to do them. She did it and qualified as a semi-finalist and was like, no, I'm a team athlete. This is what I'm doing. So she also just did it for training or just to see where she was at. So, um, yeah, and, that, and that's what I think is, like, that's what I think the, the way that team competition should go is, like, you you choose, you know? The, the other thing I've, I've seen is, like, I suppose if we look at 2000, 2019 and the small amount of 2020 that took place is, and as, as a team team athlete you know there was great opportunity and now we're kind of going into the format not just the team format but to try to compete with loads of different people which i guess must have been really fun but also to travel to loads of different places um yeah. and you've almost had to kind of trade that for that um which was fun but i guess in this format you really have to build camaraderie because i guess there were probably some super teams in 2019 who may be flew from other sides of the world to then compete for that weekend, perhaps more for the brand than it was, you know, and an opportunity to go to the games, which let's not, let not un underplay that, but you've changed from that kind of like, kind of like say getting Alec to, to China at last minute, to you guys building that bond. And, and that I think will 
support the affiliates because you're coming from an affiliate, but equally support. Um, it, it'll create a really good uh, standard of competition because every team will have trained together week in, week out for, for a season, which will be really exciting to see. I think the, yeah, the interesting thing with that, like the perfect, the perfect example, which I use all the time for that is in Filthy 150 2019, there was a team that was invited, didn't qualify, that was um, Paul Tremblay, Craig Kenny, Jennifer Smith and Caroline Reason Tebow. Like all of them top 10 individual games athletes. They came fifth. Like they all flew from all over and they were going to go to qualify for the games. Like there was no bones about that. They were like, we're going to go team this year. We're going to be the super team that takes on mayhem. And like we beat them, the program beat them. JST, I think, no, they, uh, I'm not sure who came fourth. I don't think it was them. I think they came fifth and JST maybe came sixth. But there was another, another like normal team beat them, you know? So it goes to show, and this is what you said earlier, like the best athletes don't always make the best teams. Um, and training together is a big, important part of that. The difference that you're going to have now with this new format is that the best teams do train together. Um, that's why they're the best teams. You know, Fronin and his lot are training together very, very regularly because they're being paid to do that. You know, like they, that's their jobs. Um, but also the teams that any team that wants to even come close to knocking them off the, the pedestal isn't going to do that without training together consistency, consistently. Well, I was just going to say, it's, it's interesting because, you know, I, I had a lot of preconceived kind of views on many of these things and probably the one thing i hadn't thought about that you've brought up quite a lot was the kind of the dedication side of it mm. and i think when you look at i guess there's more scrutiny over somebody that you hear oh he moved to this town to be a part of that team oh it seems a bit sus but you wouldn't say that if you're like oh this person moved to this town because there they have a really good strength and conditioning coach and he wants to work with him as an individual mm. you'd be like oh that's dedication and it is the same thing, actually. Um, and I hadn't sort of had that spin on it, but I think that is interesting. And the idea as well of you having to kind of call your shot before qualifying, I think is another, that would be interesting because, I mean, you mentioned, I was going to say it and I thought Ben not say it, it might offend Mike, then you said it. Like nobody cared about teams for the longest time. No, they didn't. Uh, especially they didn't when it was shit. six people, it was just chaos. Yeah. Then rich joined and people kind of cared mm. and then i think super teams shone a massive light on oh actually we like team competition yeah but i still think people just it's still not there and mm. perhaps having to just up that level of commitment that team members make could be the thing that tips it over to people actually being like oh now i'm going to make a decision am i going to watch this individual heat or this team heat i might watch the team heat like mm. Until now, that's not happening, right? But yeah. it, it's on the horizon, maybe. Yeah, I think the, the interesting side of that is that um, there's a lot of, and it's this is more intricate in, in looking at the the individual like athletes and the capabilities and stuff like that. There's there's certain athletes, and I'm I'm probably a good example of this that are made for team competition. Like I'm I'm a half decent team athlete and not a great individual athlete anymore um there's we're speaking to carl who owns the athlete program and when you know i've put the, every team that we've had together and coached the majority of people or all of the people that we've had in those teams and it's not it's very rarely the two best guys and girls in terms of open finish in terms of pedigree in terms of whatever 
that I choose to put together. And a good example of this was when Alec, when we had the conversation back in November time, and it, we thought that it, the likelihood was that we were we were going to go whole hog and, and give it a good crack. And Alec was like, look, I've loved it. I've had a great time, but I don't think I can commit to that. And I don't think it's fair for me to tell you that I will or that to, to expect that of me. And I was like, no problem at all. Great. And I had that conversation with Carl and he was like, Carl came back to me with a list of as long as your arm of like, oh, should we contact him? Should we contact him? Should we contact him? And it was all of the usual suspects that you would expect by looking at the UK leaderboard of the Open over the last handful of years. And people still don't believe me when I turned around and I went, Owen Roberts was my first choice, 100%. And they were all like, what? He was like 26th in the Open in 2018. Like he was, I think I beat him. I think I was 24th or 20, whatever. Like we were like, and you look at those two, and I'm like, he's got what I need to compliment me and compliment the team in the right proportions. And other athletes that are much, much better individual athletes. I'll use Reggie Fasser as a great example because he won the qualifiers for in the UK and is one of our best individual athletes in the UK. I don't think our team would necessarily be a better team with Reggie Fasser in there than it is with Owen Roberts because of the strengths and weaknesses. He is so good at what he does but he wouldn't be able to show those things because we wouldn't be able to keep up with him so what's the point that's the thing isn't it? i couldn't right, do it yeah, so yeah. what's the fucking point like what's the point in in having somebody that could do 100 burpees in five minutes if we've got to do him synchro and our slowest person takes eight minutes all reggie's going to do is get frustrated <laughs> like <laughs> like yeah. dragging the worm down yeah but you know what i mean so it takes <laughs> it takes us it, and it it's a really it's a really fine balancing act in terms of the physical capability but also the mental capacity to be able to put yourself in the pit and make yourself potentially look worse mm. because you're actually dragging somebody through a workout that is struggling more than you are to give them a little bit of respite you know yeah Oh, I think that's uh, that's really interesting. It's almost like worthy of like a complete other discussion with yeah. Plow as a, as a second episode. But it's been really good to talk about the the format of how teams has changed, but also Mike to hear. And I feel like I've not heard it that you guys have got plans to keep going at it, keep going at the teams like to the next season and, and, and beyond as well. So that's 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 really exciting. Um, just to touch on you saying around o- Owen Roberts being like first choice, we'll plug here like the uh, documentary videos that like Will's put out of, of you guys are fantastic. And you can really see how you all bounce off each other, the camaraderie, but how the team is, is more than just for fit people. It's for fit people that can work really well together. So, yeah. No, definitely. Th- that's a, that's yeah. a big part of it. Right. Yeah. Now, thanks very much for coming on and uh, we'll, we'll talk to you again. No, thanks for having me guys. Appreciate it. Cheers everyone.